What I'm about to tell you might sound crazy, but I promise you it's true. When I was seven years old, I had a dream. I wanted to have my own country. We would have our own laws and customs, our own national anthem and currency. I thought about this all the time, even drawing up maps of potential property developments and vacation destinations. I imagined I would achieve all this by the time I was 21. But given that I turned 20 last week and I'm not yet a dictator, my time is running out. I'm Ari Kagan. You're listening to Things You Don't Need to Know. And this episode is all about starting a country. Now, I only had a year to achieve my dream of being a world dictator. So I figured a great place to start would be to talk with people who were. The only problem with this is that anyone who did start a country likely did it a very long time ago and they've died of old age. Or anyone that tried to start a country or overthrow a government rather recently. Well, most of them are also deceased because people just don't like when you do that. I did reach out to South Sudan, Mali, and Myanmar, but none of those countries got back to me. So I dug a little deeper. I am President Kevin Baugh, the president, founder, ruler, dictator of the Republic of Malaysia. That's right, I'm less than 20 episodes in and I've already secured an interview with a world leader. I deserve a raise. Malaysia is a tiny self-declared country and it is located uh, within the state of Nevada. It's located about 40 miles from Reno, takes up over 57,000 square feet of land and has everything that a country should. We have our own money, our own stamps, we have a post office and, and bank and uh, trading company and so forth. Uh, and of course, we have our own uh, Tiki Hut bar and grill because what's a country without a bar? The Republic of Malaysia is considered a micronation. A micronation is a tiny self-declared country. Um, usually, it is not recognized by uh, larger nations. To put it simply, the citizens of a micronation believe it's a real country, but actual countries such as Brazil or France don't. Hello, I'm Robbie. I'm a history student. I've been on this before, and uh, today we're talking about how to start a country. I have been thinking about starting a micronation recently. Okay. Before we started recording, you said that that was not what you want to do. No. Like, if you're going to start, if you're going to start a state, the purpose is not to have pomp and circumstance. The concept is to have a fully functioning state. Uh-huh. And how would we go about that? Well, first, first you need land. We could either go the easy route and go to the Bertal Wheel. The Bertal Wheel is located between Egypt and Sudan, and it exists due to a border dispute. It's completely unclaimed. Basically, Egypt has drawn its border so that Sudan occupies that territory, and Sudan has drawn their border so that Egypt occupies that territory. Like you could just go down there, Sit there, say it's yours, and they really won't care. The reason no one's claimed it is because it's landlocked and in the middle of a desert. The other option is, of course, to uh, claim land that has also been claimed, which is a lot more dicey, but definitely feasible if you go to a place where you have enough money and the GDP is low enough. As well as podcasting does pay, I don't have enough money to do that, and I'm unwilling to travel to the middle of the desert. So for those reasons and those reasons alone, we will be starting a micronation. However, that's not to say I won't ever turn my micronation into a real nation. One such micronation that achieved this is Sealand. 
The Principality of Sealand is often regarded as the inspiration for micronations worldwide. Located 12 kilometers or 7.5 miles off the coast of England, it declared independence in 1967, which at the time meant it was in international waters. The country itself is actually one of many fortresses constructed with concrete and steel during World War II to watch out for German attacks. In the 1950s, the forts were abandoned and left to rot until the 60s when they became inhabited by illegal pirate radio stations broadcasting in the UK. One of these stations, Radio Essex, was run by a man named Roy Bates. He operated it on a different fortress called Knock John until England ruled that it was inside their jurisdiction. After this, he moved it all to Ruff's Tower. However, this station never got up and running because he decided to instead declare it the independent state of Sealand. Before long, the British government decided that they could no longer have what ministers described as a possible Cuba off the east coast of England and deployed their military to destroy all other remaining forts located in international waters. This next part, I'm going to read off the Sealand website, sealandgov.org, which I might add is actually quite nice. Quote, Helicopters that carried the explosives buzzed menacingly above, and the Navy tug carrying the demolition crew passed close by our fortress home and shouted, You're next, with an angry waving of arms. A while later, a government vessel steamed within 50 feet of Sealand, its boisterous crew shouting threatening obscenities at Michael and his 16-year-old sister. Warning shots were promptly fired across the bow of the boat by Prince Michael, causing it to hastily turn away towards the UK amongst a large cloud of black engine smoke. End quote. That's right, two siblings successfully fought off an attack from the British Navy. They won the battle, but the war was not over. On the 25th of November, 1968, Roy and Michael were summoned to court in breach of the UK Firearms Act. After much deliberation, the judge concluded, quote, this is a swashbuckling incident, perhaps more akin to the time of Sir Francis Duke, but it is my judgment that the UK courts have no jurisdiction, which meant they were recognized by another country. The concrete fortress in international waters would later go on to see an attempted takeover and even try someone for treason. This led German diplomats, that's right, actual German diplomats, to visit Sealand and negotiate the release of one of their citizens. This was huge for Sealand because it meant an actual country had recognized them, further legitimizing its sovereignty. Whether or not any macro countries regard Sealand as being independent is still up for debate. Its current population of permanent residents is two. Nonetheless, they've inspired many people to start micronations of their own. People like His Excellency President Kevin Ba of Malaysia. They can take all sorts of uh, forms depending on what the individual, what the founder of the country has in mind, vision for their nation. Some exist in bedrooms or on a piece of volcanic rock or even simply in the hearts and minds of their citizens. Micronations, there can be principalities or kingdoms or even empires. Most micronations do not possess territory. Malasia is unusual in that we do have our own territory uh, here that we consider to be sovereign. We are within the United States and they probably don't think that we have our own country. Uh, but they've ignored us now for going on 44 years, so um, hmm. I'm guessing they don't have a problem with our country. <laughs> do you pay taxes on that land? We do, but we call it foreign aid. Hmm. So, we, yeah, we give foreign aid to the United States uh, uh, once a year. I know I'm not the first person to say this, but that is fucking genius. And, of course, you know, you've seen their roads. They need all the help they can get, those poor folks. If I were to explain what Malasia actually looks like, I would say that it closest resembles an amusement park version of an old western town. Where did all of this begin? My friend James and I, we watched the old Peter Sellers movie, The Mouse That Roared. 
and we were really struck by the imagination and creativity of that movie. The Mouse That Roared is about a tiny nation whose entire economy collapses when their only export begins to be produced in California. So we decided to start our own nation. Well, it might seem a little ridiculous to watch a movie and decide to start your own country, you gotta remember at the time these guys were kids. And that's just what kids do. And that right there, that's my inspiration. Thinking of something and then following through with it. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it is, it sounds fun. So I'm officially starting my first country. That's kind of a funny way of saying it. <laughs> Whatever. Ari Landia. We are now in my roommate Tom's bedroom. How do you feel about me calling my country Ari Landia? Is the country in the apartment? Yes. I'm seceding from Irelandia. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind Tom, he's just Canadian and doesn't want to have any problems with the U.S. government. Does the government have any problems with Malasia? No, actually, um, it, it helps, you know, to basically color within the lines. And, and so by paying our, our, uh, our foreign aid that we do every year, uh, we stay out of trouble with the U.S. and they just ignore us. Great news for the future citizens of Irelandia. Robbie, on the other hand, didn't feel so positive about it. You're still paying taxes to the U.S. government. You're still paying taxes to New York State. You're still paying all the things and abiding by all of the laws of this country. I, I respect the fact that you want your own country. Yes. But we can't do that. Why not? Because we can't. Why not? We can't go to the Middle East. Why not? It was at this point that, as king, I decided to make the executive decision that Robbie would no longer be taking part in important decisions and would instead be running our entire government. What is our basic government? It's you. Oh, I am the government. You're the whole government. I am the whole government. I'm just the king. How can you be the king and not the government? It's like England. So useless. Yes. Perfect. Immediately following this brief exchange, Robbie ate a Danish and got right to work on some legislature. Um, the first thing I'm going to institute is uh, universal basic income, not have income tax. Everything would be based off sales tax like Monaco. There would be a very small police force to make sure that like really bad crimes don't happen. Well, it sounds to me like he's got everything under control. I'm gonna go back to important business like designing a flag. The flag of Landia is pink on the top, orange on the bottom, and it has a yellow cross, but not a dead center cross, a cross where the vertical line is slightly more to the left, kind of like Sweden. When we come back, Landia gets its first citizen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show. But my listeners wanted to write the ad for me. And here are some of the things they said. Not your regular juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll 
instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. How many citizens are there in Malasia? We have a total of 35 citizens with number 36 on the way in August. Just wanted to interject really quickly. All those people do not live in Malasia. They simply have Malasian passports. Malasia is a family nation, which means that all of our citizens are members of our family. Um, but we also include our dogs. Dogs are very loyal citizens. They're, you know, As long as you feed them, they're happy. So anyway. Even though Malasia is a family nation, that doesn't stop people from contacting them asking for citizenship. Kevin says he gets multiple emails from all sorts of people each week, some of them even seeking asylum. Ari Landia, on the other hand, well, we're open to anyone who comments on the Instagram post of the flag on my Instagram, at Ari Kagan. So far, we've got 81 citizens, and it's only growing. Let me just say that again. If you want to become a citizen of my country, all you need to do is comment on the photo of the flag on my Instagram. It's at Ari Kagan. We're going private at 100 citizens. Do you have any other tips for me or anyone at home starting their nation? Depends on how much work you want to put into it. But it could definitely be a challenge putting together, you know, the more you put into it. But it's definitely an exercise in creativity and, and imagination, seeing what you could do. And when I say imagination, I'm not like talking about like, imaginary things like, you know, elves and dwarves and stuff like that, but just with the idea. All right, Artilandia Creativity Speed Round. Our national anthem is Posterity by Ludwig Göransson, as in we put our faith in the posterity of the nation. It's also the theme from Tenet, which I frequently listen to at the gym while pretending to be John David Washington. Our national food is Beef Wellington. You can't be knighted because we only believe in today. And our national bird is the octopus. With that being said, back to Robbie to see how he's doing with the government. Foreign policies would be getting in good with the United States. So um, much like a lot of other countries who aren't exactly democratic. We love democracy. You might want to eventually um, develop your own currency or have stamps or something like that. The official currency of Malasia is the Valora, which is directly tied to the price of cookie dough. Five Valora is equal to 30 ounces of the sweet stuff. Uh, here in Malasia, we also have a space program where we launch rockets, uh, model rockets. Uh, but still, I mean, we have fun with that. And uh, uh, we also have a Navy. We don't have an Army or an Air Force. We do have a Navy, even though we're in the desert. Mm. <laughs> where where, is the, where does the Navy warm. operate? Actually, on Lake Tahoe, which is about 35 miles uh, west of here. What do you need the Navy for? Uh, well, I mean, just about every country has some sort of armed forces. Uh, and so it's nice to have that and point back to say, this is our Navy. You know, it's the defense of the nation, taking the Navy all the way over into California and then and all over, the, all over the area here. Believe it or not, Malasia is actually still at war with East Germany. I know this sounds ridiculous, but back during the Cold War, Cuba gave East Germany an uninhabited island off their coast, and it's technically still East Germany. In 1983, Kevin was stationed in West Germany with the United States military, and the reasons are a little murky as to why he actually declared war on them, but it's still going on to this day. Aurelandia is not yet at war with anyone. However, we are taking applications. We're also giving out distinctions in our House of Royals. Zach Cooper, you are the Aurelandia Culinary Chancellor. Yes. Hello, Amelia. How would you like to be our Emperor of Engineering? I don't think that's a job title. Well, it's not a job title, it's a government position. Sullivan, would you like to be our Overlord of Fashion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Chelsea, you're Canadian, right? Yep, still Canadian. Do you want to be my foreign ambassador to Canada? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what does that entail? 
nothing at all. You, here's this ceremonial medal. If Canada ever <laughs> has any problems with us, then you'll you'll be the one handling them. I love it. <laughs>Additional help from Lord Shane McKeon and director of Making Sure Literally Everything Actually Happens, Nunes Rapidine. Our executive producers are Baron Adam McKay and head of creative and editorial at 3 Uncanny 4 at Sony Music Entertainment, Laura Mayer. The show is mixed by Nice Manners. If you like things you don't need to know, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you leave a review, I will make you an honorary lord when I take back my country. See you next week.